If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. This is your first time tuning into the show. Welcome to another episode of And Security for All. Well, it is October 5th, and once again, we are in the beginning of October, and as you all know, it is Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and these days, most all of my friends and all the uh, cybersecurity professionals, they don't look at it at one month of the year, Um, but that was actually started Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It was started in 2003, and it was recognized as National Cybersecurity Awareness Month. It was an effort that was brought together to collaborate the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and National Cybersecurity Alliances. Um, The cybersecurity uh, community knows every month, every day, every minute, we acknowledge cybersecurity awareness. Security awareness shouldn't just be a set of routine tactical chores. We should be paying attention to it every single minute of the day and watching out for the next threats coming up. My guest today, I would imagine, has a lot to say about Cybersecurity Month. Um, Chris Roberts, he's the VCSO researcher, hacker, consultant, devil's advocate. He's also head of the hillbilly of his squad. Chris is considered one of the world's foremost geeks on counter threat intelligence and vulnerability research with the information security industry. He's routinely invited on tons of conferences, webinars, podcasts, uh, panels, the, his, the page captures upcoming uh, opportunities located at the Hillbilly. We'll talk about this later, his uh, Hillbilly the squad. So a lot to ask him about that. Um, if you Google Chris, there's all kinds of content, videos out there. It could actually keep you busy for days from how he got started into hacking, how he got started, how you could get started in cybersecurity. Even an article I was looking at earlier today, how he got bored and he decided to hack uh, NASA. He says uh, it was a plane hack. Um, One thing I'll lead in with is when we got his email as a team, we were like, wow, we can't wait to talk to this guy because his... uh, His email address ends, his signature line says, you know the deal, if this ends up in your inbox by era, please print it, eat it, destroy it, destroy your computer, format uh, format the email server that I sent it through, burn down the data center it was stored in, taser anyone along the way who might have touched it. That's my guest today, Chris Roberts. So welcome to the show, Chris. (laughs) Thank you, and appreciate it. Yeah, I figured the, um, I mean, you see it all the time, those blasted taglines is like, you know, the legal disclaimer, if you're reading this in error, you know, destroy it immediately. I'm like, oh, hell no, let's let's at least really tell people what they need to do. <laughs> it definitely made us laugh as a team. And it's funny, uh, Rachel Arnold, she's watching the show right now. Thanks for the show. Thanks for being here, Rachel. And she was my guest a few weeks ago, and she's like, oh, you're having Chris Roberts on? Wow. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> she's awesome. She's absolutely freaking awesome. We're, uh, we're catching up at the end of this month. Uh, I'm driving down to uh, Tulsa. We're going to catch up. And uh, again, we're going to go and uh, 
go and warp some impressionable young minds of a university or a school or something. So we're going to have some fun with that one. Well, we think you're awesome. And thanks for being on the show because you're a famous guy. I mean, you've been everywhere. But you have to tell uh, us. Tell us about you and how you got started and how you got to where you are. I'm just me. I, uh, I started out young in the industry. I mean, I was, you know, probably like a lot of us who, you know, when the, when the hair is gray and it isn't, uh, what there is of it isn't shaven off and when it's not colored as it is at the moment. Uh, I mean, we got started. I mean, I was, you know, 10 or 11, started messing around with the early stuff like ZX80s and ZX81s. So, I mean, we're going back to the days when, you know, 4K of memory and you were, you were, you were it. You were like, yes, I've got all this memory. I, got. I don't know what I'm going to do with it all. And then... Um, you know, started out doing that stuff. And, and a lot of it came out from from gaming. I mean, so many of us got into this industry from the gaming side of the world because we don't like necessarily losing our games. We don't like, you know, we want to understand how they work. So uh, that's really how I started. It was uh, playing, it was like an early, like command line version of Texas Hold'em and games like that. And I was trying to figure out how they worked and what was going on with them. And, you know, you never like losing to the house. So, you know, you, you engineer or re-engineer the card game. And it just went from there and uh, got into it for a while, uh, got out of it for a while and jumped out of airplanes for a living and then got back into it again and got yelled at a few times. So you were in the military? Yes. What force were you in? British military. Oh, because you were from Scotland? One English and one Scottish parent, yeah, basically going back away. So, yeah, I got into, did a lot of stuff on that side of the world. And then over here, I do a bunch of stuff with various folks out of, you know, Florida, Tampa, Seattle, and various other places. Do a lot of stuff on the National Guard as well these days. Got a huge soft spot for the Guard. Yeah, so I'm former Navy, so I have a huge soft spot for all of them, and especially these days. Uh, yeah, big time these days. Big. Yeah, time. definitely different days. Well, tell us about the Hillbilly Squad and how that arrived and what that's about, and <laughs> I love it. So the Hillbilly Hit Squad is um, the best way of looking at it. It was it was a group of us got together. I mean, I've I mean I've known. Jesse and I have known each other for almost the amount of time I've been out in Colorado. So we're looking at 12, 15 years or something like that. Give it to, probably no, yeah, crap, 15 years or so. And the first time I ever met this guy, and Jesse's bigger than me. I mean, he's about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, big, heavyset Nebraska guy, always in overalls. You will never, if he's out of overalls, he's just wearing tidy whities And that's just a scary sight to behold. And so the first time I ever met him, I'd moved to this neck of the woods. I was in uh, in my in the garage, and next door was in theirs. And I wandered across the next door's garage because he always had a couple of like fun old cars in there. So I was in Larry's garage, and Larry was there, and they and and this other guy was there, and they were taking an AR-15 to pieces. And I kind of walked in. I'm like, for crying out loud, only in this bloody country would you find people tinkering with weaponry in a garage meant for cars. And this big Nebraska guy just turns around, looked at me and went, we kicked you out in the 1700s, for God's sakes, Lime, and you haven't got anything to say. And, and it just started off that way. And literally for the last 15 years, we've bantered back and forth. And it's been freaking awesome. So he's always been kind of like the, the non-hour world of geek. Jesse is, 
where we are, our geeks in our area, and you know, you said I know a lot of stuff in my space, and Jesse knows that in like electrical, mechanical, technical engineering, and a whole bunch of and farming for carrying out, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's really nice to have an entirely different viewpoint on our space, as well as he and I have collaborated on, you know, hacking tractors, the hacking airplanes, breaking into all sorts of crazy stuff. And so it's always been having a really, really good view on that one. Swede, who's actually over the other side of the monitor here, is another one of the co-founders of Hillbilly Hit Squad. And it's always been like this umbrella. Um, so, I mean, I've worked inside companies and worked for companies for a number of years. But Hillbilly Hit Squad has always been this, like, research like R&D arm of just a couple of us wanting to see what else is out there, how things work, what we can do, and what we can mess with. So we do a lot of stuff nowadays with trying to look after small, like small, small businesses, small and medium businesses. We're doing a bunch of stuff with like Ryan Cloutier and the guys over at Studio. I'm doing some stuff with Rachel. So it's, it's, it's used almost as like this holding umbrella. Um, we have an entire area of the company which we're going completely non-tech, and messing, out, and messing around with watches. So a lot of us enjoy watches and horology. And so we started out this whole like fun part of the company that's doing nothing mad, nothing wrong with just messing around with watches. We've got other areas where we might or might not dabble in the, the art of, of uh, alcohol manufacturing and, and just all sorts of other crazy shit. So it's kind of fun. It's, well, that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fr- from a small town in Missouri and a lot of hillbillies there. So yeah. and Missouri has a lot of hillbillies. No offense I, out there. But I they love do. it because it's just a totally different mindset. And it's something we're missing in our, in our industry. We're missing the plain speak. So, you know, I'll talk with Jesse and, and Sweet as well. And you get a very plain speak. You get, you get a language. You cut through the BS. And you end up with just exactly what you need to hear. You might not want to hear it, but you maybe need to hear it. And it's done very succinctly, very accurately, typically with a fair amount of respect. And with the occasional, if you don't listen to me, I've got a backhoe in the garden that I can use if need to be. So it kind of works out fairly both ways. So what have you been doing since COVID? I know that you're a you know, sought-after speaker at many of these large conferences, RSA, um, Black Hat. I, I assume you speak at Black Hat. But yeah, anyway. I get dragged in every now and again to yell at people. <laughs> yeah. So what what have you been doing with your time? And um, I, I do want to talk about this airplane hack, too. I know that was yeah, a few we'll, years we'll ago, but I'd like to hear about that. Little, yeah, we'll touch on that a little bit. I gotta, I still have to be careful with that one. The, uh, the DOJ is keeping the FBI and I... We have a an at arms agreement that that I will not call the the, the Federal Bureau of Investigation a complete bunch of muppets, and uh, they won't come knock on the house too often. So uh, well, I, have to I don't want. Yeah, I I can completely respect that. But I I would imagine <laughs> that your whole intention on all this is just to show you know some of these other people their vulnerabilities. And yeah, I mean you know what it's like. You'll have a conversation with somebody, and this unfortunately it's human. <clears throat> excuse me, it's human nature, unfortunately. You know, we, from early ages as kids, I mean, I got a rug rat. And you're like, hey, if you go into the kitchen, this is hot and this is hot and be very careful and don't touch it. Well, as kids, we're like, well, okay, thank you, parents. And off we go and we go touch the darn thing. And we go, ow, it's hot. No shit, I told you it's hot. <laughs> and so as adults, it's the same thing. And with the aviation stuff is a perfect example. Uh, Jesse and I and a couple of others have been messing around with tractors uh, a few years beforehand. And we, then we turned our attention to vehicles. So this is 2008, 2009, 2010 timeframe. 
And we started messing around with cars. And we're like, okay, fun with cars. We can make them start. We can make them stop. We can make them drive where we want to, all these other kind of things. And then we looked at the network, the underlying networks that run vehicles. And we're like, hang on, there's some similarities between how car networks work and maybe how drones and how other types of transportation works, airplanes in particular. So we started to take a look at how much data was freely available, just open source intelligence gathering, how much data could we find out on, on airplanes? And the answer is a hell of a lot. And then we're like, okay, can we build ourselves basically a virtual airplane like we do in the modern world today? We have virtual computing rather than taking up more data centers with the computers. We virtualize it. We turn lots of computers into one computer. So we did the same thing with an airplane. And we, you know, we made some phone calls and did a little bit of social engineering and got enough information and enough demos and kits and stuff that we could basically make ourselves most of an airplane inside the computer. And we're like, okay, what can we do with it? And we realized we could do a lot more with it than probably people wanted us to be able to do. So we started making phone calls. And we started to try to talk to the likes of Panasonic, the likes of Talos, the likes of Boeing, and the likes of Airbus and a number of other people. And unfortunately, in a lot of cases, we got, you know, the, we don't want to talk with you. You're, you know, you're just you, go away, you know, and, and a whole bunch of other things. We basically didn't get the time of day. Well, we went up a couple of levels. Uh, we ended up giving a talk at B-Sides and at DEF CON and a few other places. And all of a sudden, a little bit of attention was made. And this was 2013, 2014. We got into some very, very senior people's offices and explained what was going on. And I think the whole idea is, is they were at a point where they were like, okay, well, nobody's going to do that. You know, give it time. And it was a case of like, look, we can do a lot of things to an airplane on the ground. We can do a lot of things to an airplane in the air. And that's not good. What can we do to help you understand how to fix it? We have some ideas. We have some options. And no, we're not going to charge you for the damn things. We just want to see change and progress. And honestly, it got to a point where, where we were just kept on getting like the, the stiff arm. And it was like, well, sod it. So we went public with it. And yes, you know, some testing was probably done where testing might not have, should have not have been done. But a lot of that testing was done on the ground to prove the points out. A lot of that data was handed over to the authorities, uh, both on the Fed side, the DHS side, and everybody else. So it pushed an agenda of you're not thinking about safety first. And you maybe are in the physical world sometimes depends on which airline you're talking to um but you're not thinking about it in the digital world and that's that whole barrier that we see a lot of times people tend to split the physical and the digital world and don't necessarily understand the consequences of crossing both of those over so i'm going to take a minute and just there's some of your friends out here that are saying hi to you uh catherine allman they're not coming up oh bless here. she's awesome she's uh Kat, she's marvelous catherine's great she's um I'd, I'd argue in some ways several years ago, she kind of rescued me. And it's, it's a, she's a uh, she's pretty amazing person. She hit me up, and we've gone back several years now. I go through stages where I just get fed up with humans. I, I just <laughs> I don't like humans. Um, I especially don't like humanity. Again, coming out of the military, you've, you've seen the same thing. We get to unfortunately see the worst of people. And the branch of military I was in, we got dropped into all sorts of interesting places. So we got to see really the worst of humans. And in this industry, it felt like it was going that way. And, and Catherine, she 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 called me on the carpet, rightly so. And she's like, hey, you're better than this. You know how to communicate. You know how to do this properly. And she challenged me. She's like, how would you communicate to leadership, to management, and to, to, to users? 
And we ended up collaborating on a, a totally awesome talk where we talked at uh, DEF CON and a bunch of other places. And, I, and it's actually helped me, I wouldn't necessarily say like humans anymore, but, but tend to focus more on that communication, collaboration, cooperation, coordination kind of thing, as opposed to simply just planting a flag in every damn company and saying your ass is grass kind of attitude. Well, it's kind of funny when I reached out to you and I asked you to be on the show, you're like, sure, if you want a grumpy man with a beard. <laughs> and then I started watching your YouTube videos. I'm like, this guy is not grumpy. So, uh... Oh, gosh. <laughs> I, I have moments when I'm just I, – I think we all do. You know, yeah. it's I, – I gave a lecture. It was actually to the FBI. It was in Fregard. Um It was Ryan, I, Evan, a bunch of others were up at the uh, – Wisconsin Infragard, totally awesome folks, like seriously awesome folks. And this was a month ago now, give or take a little bit. And uh, I, I gave a fairly dark talk. And, it, and I, somebody came up to me afterwards, and they were like, you know, we, we love the talks, we love everything else, we like this talk, but you didn't give us any hope. And I'm like, okay, two things. One, if you were listening closely, I actually gave you a lot of hope. I gave you ways to fix this bloody situation. Either you weren't paying attention or – you actually concentrate on the nasty stuff, which is fine. But the other problem I'm I kind of running into is I don't know I don't know how to fix it. This is one of those it's a nasty thing I'm thinking about because if you look at the industry, the security industry especially, we almost have a trifecta. We have the vendor space, which unfortunately is polluted. I know two ways about it. You have the user space, and the users unfortunately there is so much that at the moment we have to try to educate them and teach them and train them because at a technology level, we haven't effectively built technology to support them. And we really haven't. We've done a piss poor job of it. And then the third part of it, you've got the businesses. And the businesses are caught in the middle because on one hand, we demand that they put a tick in the box and we penalize them if they don't, but we're not really penalizing them. We levy some fines, but we don't do it consistently. We don't do it across the board. Some companies won't levy a fine because it affects their revenue stream. So you just get a slap on the wrist, et cetera, et cetera. So we've got a company that sits there and goes, well, hang on. If I pay attention to security, I have to pay a shit ton load of money, employ more people, listen to 7,000 vendors telling me they're perfect, and I still get my ass handed to me. Or on the other hand, if I don't pay attention to security, I can still do business. And when my ass does get handed to me, eh, I'll just pass the cost on to the consumer. And the consumer's sitting there going, well, I'm screwed either way. I have to have healthcare and I'm going to pay $100 this month. Or if Anthem gets breaches, I'm going to pay $120 next month because that extra $20 covers the fines. And then you've got the security industry, which keeps on coming up with more and more and more and more asinine ways to describe protection, less and less effective ways to bloody well do it, more and more fragmented options for you to buy, and we're still fucking useless when it comes to actually protecting people and their data. And it, there's, I'm not seeing an easy way out of it. So what, you know, I recently had a guest, um, and I'm going to go blank on his name, but it'll, uh, it'll come to me. But he is, you know, creating going passwordless. And yeah. what you probably know him. I just went blank. He's out of uh, Arizona. Uh, uh Oh, Ari? Ari, Ari, Nelson. Ari. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's oh, awesome. Oh, man, he is he's a character and a half. I have so much love for him. He's yeah. awesome. Yeah, he was um, awesome. 
He's uh, totally uh, so. Another good friend of ours uh, runs behind the scenes in that company as well, which is actually kind of nice. They might have made a movie about him. Um, I know who you're talking about. And yes. Yeah, yeah. Frank Abingale. So uh, you should uh, get Frank on. Frank on here would be fantastic. Yeah, that is one. Of, he's on my check. He's on my bucket list. I haven't reached out yeah, to him Frank's, yet. Yeah. An amazing, just an amazing human being. Like another one of those good people. So yeah, uh, Ari, poke Ari, or, or, or we can both poke Ari and say, "Hey, get Frank on." Yeah, um, I, I agree. Yeah, I I like so again. I don't get me wrong. I'm like the passwordless concept is great, and there's definitely a number of companies. I'm I'm sitting behind the scenes. I've helped out the the folks over at Trusona a number of times, and I'm sitting behind the scenes at another company that's trying to do a lot with actually simplifying identity management. The challenge becomes one of like, hang on, we're trying to simplify something that we built in the first place that really is trying to answer a problem that we've had since the 60s that nobody's really addressed. You know, we've had 50, 60 years of passwords and we still the we still basically everybody puts one, two, three, four, five, six as their down password. I'm like, I love y'all, but apparently giving you a password isn't a solution. Giving you biometrics definitely isn't the right solution. And going passwordless, is it putting just another Band-Aid on something fundamental, which is the identification of should you even be here in the first place and should you even have your pudgy little mitts on the keyboard? And I don't feel like it's fully solving the inherent underlying problem. We're just adding, we're, we're taking all that complexity and just putting a nice blanket on top of it. No two ways about it. I mean, the Trusona stuff and the stuff at Etherpass and stuff is really, really good. But it still feels like we need to go back and actually, you know, fix the chassis, fix the chassis, shall we say. So are, is that going to be you, Chris? Are you going to do that? <laughs> I, I will. If you know, I'll take the dictator for life thing for a short period of time and we could probably get a few things sorted out. I mean, there's. Well, the problem is everybody claims they can fix it. And I think, you know, if, if you're sitting, I mean. I mean, Kim, you sit there with the CEO title. Let's let's be honest with this one. You're sitting there with, as the CEO. And as the CEO, you have so many organizations coming up to you going, hey, I can fix all your problems. I can protect you 100%. I can do all these wonderful things for you. And they do it by throwing acronyms at you. And unfortunately, as a CEO, you've either, you're either going to shut down because you're like, I can't deal with this, and I'm just going to deal with running the business and keeping shit moving, or you've got to educate yourself, or you've got to get somebody in as the buffer. And that buffer better be, A, bloody good. They better be also articulate and effective enough to be able to talk with you, and should you need them to talk with the board of directors or investors or whoever else you need. And they need to be savvy enough to be able to understand the ridiculous complexities of technology that we have. And those people are few and far between. And we're also sodding expensive. Unfortunately, we're not cheap commodities and we're getting more expensive because there's less of us, unfortunately. Yeah. And Rachel just said, no one can fix it all. It's going to take all of us, which is true. And um, just a couple shout outs to uh, I like to shout out our guests because we appreciate everyone listening. I have a lot of comments from Rachel, Matt B., um, <laughs> a lot of these are coming up as LinkedIn users, uh, Chris Roberts. Yeah, I- I drived. I I came That's in as you. well. I came, yeah, <laughs> Chris Roberts. Yeah, That's you. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Um, but anyway, and I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier. It was earlier this year, and you were talking a lot about um, identity, and yeah. and you um, are pretty passionate 
about that topic. So, so can you, it, it was with um, the CISO and it was uh, a woman. I think you did it around February and it's probably one of my vendors. You probably talk on so many shows, but you were very (laughs) fired up about identity and what we do about identity and how, how we keep that in check. I mean, Oh gosh. Well, I mean, it's, again, it's, it's one of those crazy ones. Cause I mean, if you think about it as, as, as humans at the end of the day, it all comes. I mean, if you look at technology, and you start looking at our, if you look at it, we'll take a couple of different ways. You look at identity as, as, as us, then you have to go figure out what, what are we? In the physical world, our identity is, you know, the, the lack of hair, the crazy color beard, the fun, the fun hoodies and various other things. That's all right. People can either recognize that or not recognize that. Then when you get to that point of recognizing, then you have to go, you know, instinctively, do I like you, not like you? What's the feel? What's the, and all this kind of good stuff. So, as humans, when we when we identify with each other, there's all these checks and balances that we go through, you know, friend or foe, fight or flight, and all those other things that go with it. In the digital world, we haven't built that framework up as effectively. And again, you know, passwords for the last, you know, what, 40, 50, 60 years, and we still can't figure this damn stuff out. And not only can we not figure it out, we've added so many levels of complexity across so many disparate systems. I was talking with a friend the other day, and I'm like, years and years and years ago, and we're not going, we're not on the get off my lawn years ago. We're only going back a few years. It used to be really simple. You went to the internet, you went to a web server, and that web server was directly connected to an application layer and a database layer. So you kind of knew three tiers, that identity moved in three different places, and it was carried across there by, you know, Linux, MicroHell, or one of the other, you know, somebody like along those lines. Well, now we've just thrown so much complexity. The explosion of data and platforms and systems, and all of a sudden now, that that what am I and who am I is is scattergun everywhere. You know, I my password list that's sitting on various different systems used to be, you know, 50, 60, 70 long. It's several hundred long now. And not only that, I know that I don't capture all the things all the times properly. And then everybody's like, well, you've got to change them on a regular basis. I'm like, hmm, sod off. <laughs> because, you know, it's, just, it's too crazy. And then you end up with a situation this week where one of the major authentication systems for passwords decided to go offline because it had enough for the day. And, you know, then you're, you're, you're totally screwed. You know, it's like logging into this is a perfect example. You know, it's like, hey, would you like to log in with your Google ID? Hmm maybe but what's the implications of that so we've almost lost our identity in the digital world and you know it hasn't been helped with the very simple fact that every single time you walk into a physician's office or you walk into anything where they need to validate who you are you hand that data over and you know 25 minutes later it's sitting on a you know the back end of a a russian north korean chinese you know pick your country pick pick whoever you want to blame today is sitting on their bloody server. So what we used to consider sacrosanct to ourselves as our identity has unfortunately been scattered to the four winds or the you know the digital domain. So we have so much that we need to try to get back, and I don't think we can get a lot of it back. So now we have to look and go, what are we going to use? How do I know that it is you sitting at the keyboard? And this is where we get to attribution. Identity and attribution are a huge one. We're really quick to blame somebody. And especially in the digital realm, we don't treat each other the same way. You and I are talking and conversing now. We'd do the same thing if we were face-to-face. 
But I'd argue that if it was just you and I on a text message, there wouldn't be that same connection. There isn't that same interaction. We have figured out how to effectively deal with that, like disconnect from the physical emotion and the visual and just text back and forwards in the same kind of civilized way that we're talking. So there's so many areas that we deal with this. And I might be messing around with some stuff that even removes the human from the discussion as well. I'm, I'm messing around with some future of technology where we're actually pulling signals out of the brain and pretty much sort of the systems behind me. We're actually working on building a digital synthesized version of me and you know other people. And so now you take a look at the human themselves and go, what are we? Are we literally, you know, a neural cloud of schism that's put together and cross your fingers or is there this, you know, now we start getting into all sorts of really interesting conversations because as far as I'm concerned, we're nothing more than digital bits and bytes. Wow. That's a lot. Um, <laughs> that's a lot. It's fun. Again, it's the hacker mentality. To me, it's the exactly. hacker mentality. It's, I, I want to I pull a thread and understand why. You know, Rachel made a comment. I, I, it may have been going into the doctor's office, but she said all the complexity, and yet they still get it because basics aren't in place. And yep. that is so frustrating when you know you have to give your information because you have to, and, and you know, they don't have the basics in place, and you already know you're a sitting duck. It's, I, again, Again, take put the CEO hat on for a second. You are the CEO of the organization. You are responsible for the organization in all its facets, the human facets, the assets facets, the intellectual property, everything else. Within security, and again, take it from a military perspective, well, you come out of the Navy, you understand, observe, orient, decide, and act. You understand situational awareness. And the only way you get situational awareness is if you actually understand all the players in the theater. You understand as best as you can the intelligence that's given to you or provided or that you've you've seeked out, seeking out, you've looked for. You understand what's in front of you. But in our digital, in our security realm, we go charging in and I'm going to sit down in front of you and go, hey, I can solve all your problems. Just roll out this or do this. Yet you don't understand where all of your assets are. You sure as heck don't understand what they're doing. We don't understand what's on them, let alone whose hands should be on the damn keyboards. So exactly to Rachel's basics, one of the first questions we always ask a company whenever we're talking to them is, do you know where your stuff is? And 99.9 times out of 100, the answer is, well, we think we do. And you find that IT's got one number, Finance has got another number. Help desk has got another number. Network's got another number. And nobody's got a clear effing clue as to exactly what the hell you have. So if you don't know what you have, how the hell are you going to protect it? Yeah, an example of that I had, I don't know if you know James Azar. From- uh, oh, my gosh. Another one. He's an absolute lover. I well. love yeah. James. Oh, my gosh. He's so totally awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was on my show, and we were talking about um, cyber insurance, and his company oh. had to go apply for cyber insurance. And he challenged them, like, what, where, you know, how do I know my information is going to be protected? Well, yeah. because he had to report to board of directors. I, I think he ended up having to just get the cyber insurance without no guarantee that his information was going to be protected. So, and then uh, Catherine just said, and just because it's basic doesn't make it easy. 
But again, you know, we are put in these situations that just like he said, you know, he, he was mandated by the board of directors and they had to get cyber insurance. So he had to give up a little bit of his beliefs to protect his company. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's always a balance that there is always a balance, but I think at the moment I'm, I'm fed up of hearing the, I'm fed up of hearing the excuses, you know, oh, well, we don't have enough resources. Tell you what, go onto LinkedIn and go look at all the people looking for work. Go look at everybody who wants to get into this industry, go down to the bloody job queue and interview 20 people down there and pick the top 10 who can actually count beyond 10 without using fingers and toes. Bring them in, give them a pencil. Don't give them a pen. They haven't earned the right for a pen. Give them pencil and a freaking whiteboard or a keyboard, uh, a, a chalkboard, and tell them to go count the assets. Tell them to go count how many computers there are, how many iPads, how many phones, how many systems, how many H1. Go give them a visual checklist of everything that you think you should have. The ones that come back and start asking more questions, now send them back out again and tell them to go count the bloody users, local and remote. Don't tell me your business is big enough. You take you know, back to the whole elephants eaten by one slice at a time or one mouthful at a time. You know, it's the same damn thing. We can break these things down into very, very simple ways of dealing with them. This is no different than a math problem. A math problem is nothing more than basically a set of basically building blocks that gets you to either your answer or your theorem. It's the same bloody thing here. We make things more complicated and more complex than they need to be. Yeah, exactly. To Rachel. Go part of the institutions. I got to, I'm just being asked to go work with Arapaho Community College. I'm like, you know, there's a bunch of students there that want to get into this freaking industry. Go give them a chance. Rather than running around like a headless chicken and saying you have no time, the time that you would spend looking and trying to recruit somebody who you're not going to be able to get anyway and probably can't afford, let alone they've got 10 other offers and you probably don't want them, go spend some time with a bunch of students, bring them in, train them up, and say, hey, I'll do everything I can to put you into this industry. All I ask is you give me a year or two of time. I'll train you. I'll work with you. I'll even run you through some of these crazy bloody certs. And I'll just ask for a little bit of dedication for a couple of years. And then they get experience. They get knowledge. And you get to understand and have a bloody good workforce. I mean, it's just simple stuff. This isn't rocket science. So what would your advice be to the young the young gamer that you know looks up to you like he's really cool i want to be a hacker like him you know i mean because that that sounds really cool it sounds really fun especially you know these gamers that yeah i heard you say that you're competitive and when you when you started doing this it was gaming that you got into it and what direction how what was your next steps how'd you become a hacker don't make the same mistakes I did. But that's how we learn, right? <laughs> I, well, yeah, make new and interesting ones. But for crying out loud, don't make the same bloody ones I did. I mean, mine are pretty well documented, both online and in my LinkedIn posts. Um, it's, it's all about, so it, it, a lot of it's trial and error. I mean, if you think about our industry, a lot of it's trial and error. So always, always just always be okay with failing. Always be okay with breaking shit. I mean, that's literally because then you learn how to put it back together again. You know, Sweet's probably listening into this other thing. It's the same way with vehicles. You're going to break it. Learn from it. Try not to make the same mistake too often, but try to learn from the darn things and try to understand what you did. You know, it's the digging into it. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest thing for me, I think, is 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 that try, try, try again thing. And and again, it's 
well, I don't have a target. I don't have a company. I, well, you can go buy virtual machines. You can go, you can go buy one physical machine and an external hard drive, and you can build literally an entire data center just in that. And now you've got your own lab. You can play. You can experiment. You can mess around. You can learn what networking is. You can learn what communications. Learn what programming is. And you can go, hey, this is really cool. I'm going to teach other people, or I'm even going to post it up on LinkedIn. And a lot of it's that social side of it. It's going, hey, this is some really cool stuff. I want to share it with people. This, uh, to the earlier point that was made, you know, as individuals, we're not going to be able to solve this on our own. It's going to take all of us. No two ways about it. And I think a lot of it is you look at the new and the fresh blood coming in, and it's like, okay, look, get come in and come in willing to help, willing to ask questions, willing to just try things, willing to go out there and to some degree learn on your own. I mean, there's so many capture the flags. There's so many bug bounties. There's so many different ways that you can do something. So when people approach me, rather than coming out and doing this blank and saying, I don't know what I should do, I'd rather come to me and say, hey, look, I did A, B, C, and D. What are your thoughts on E, F, G, and H? And to me, that's that's a much more effective way of, of approaching this. You know, we're going to actually, this show is going to, we have a virtual event on Thursday, and we had about an hour gap that we had to fill. And I was like, I have Chris Roberts on my show, so let's let's put him on that hour. So we're going to have a lot of engineers and, and IT directors and some CISOs. Like, what message would you give to them, especially like right now in a month at cybersecurity awareness? I mean, do you feel like that somewhat is, although we have to acknowledge it, but do you feel like that is a compliment or an insult? Because every minute should be cybersecurity <laughs> awareness for, for the people that we're communicating with. I, you know, I, to me, it's, it's, I, I have a love-hate with it. I, I think about it. It's kind of like breast cancer awareness. It's like, okay, so you want me to think about these things for one month a year. What do you want me to do for the 11 months? Just kind of, you know, this is like awareness training. This is like those bloody companies that go, ah, we've put the tick in the box. We trained our users for 30 minutes this year. We told them don't click on shit and you better not send it. And by the way, don't pick up the USB drive in the car park and plug the damn thing in because they're sneaky bastards. And and that's it. And, and you give people 30 minutes worth of that information and you expect them to remember it for the next, you know, 12 months. This country specifically can't go between football downs without a bloody advertising break. So 15 seconds is about as long as you're going to get somebody's attention. So if you're going to do it once a year, screw it. And to me, it's the same thing with, you know, whether it's whether it's cybersecurity month, you know, black month, uh, cancer awareness month, any month. No, these are things we need to be continually reminding ourselves about. To me, I'd rather have, hey, it's, it's January, it's tax month, it's cybersecurity tax month. Let me explain to you why you shouldn't click that link from the IRS, because it ain't the IRS. It's February, Valentine's Day, nobody loves you on the internet. And you know, we just do these kinds of things every single month to make people aware. But we also sprinkle in, you know, you talk about the techs and the engineers, we need to sprinkle in other things, the communication. So it's the only way we solve these problems is actually taking a step away from the technology. One of the things that pisses me off most when I go into a company, especially if it's the virtual CISO side of the world, is you go in and you sit down with the CEO 
or you sit down and like, well, you know, we've got our IT department over here and we've got our figure and our security people are over here. I'm like, why aren't they all working together? Well, you know, our, our network people really don't like the security people because of all the things they're telling them they have to do. And our security people don't like the developers because, you know, they're developers and nobody likes developers because they can't code worth shit. I'm like, well, they managed to code well enough to get you, you know, a multi-billion dollar company. So they must be pretty good at something. And I hate this fucking silo shit. I hate the fact that in technology, we can't even talk amongst ourselves effectively. Um, I we got to have everybody, you know, getting this is why I love DevSecOps, development, security, and operations. Y'all got to collaborate together because it's the same shit. You're all getting paid by the same damn company. So how about you work together more effectively? That to me is one of the biggest things from an engineering standpoint. And it's, again, we have, one of the things I've said a few times is we from security have to eat a bit of humble pie. Oh man, we have to eat some serious humble pie. For 25, 30 years, I've walked into your office and gone, hey, if you give me some more money, I'll put a firewall in place. Everything will be fine. Or I'll put idea. I'll, I'm not even going to tell you what IDS IPS is because, well, it's an acronym. Yeah, you'll be fine. Just We'll be okay. We're not special snowflakes. We sure as hell aren't. Fred um, Hag a thorn. He said it's like having to remember road code while you're driving. It has to become a muscle memory. And then yeah. he, he said cybersecurity is a business issue. Okay, yes and no. And this it's tough because road code stays at least relatively static. You know, it, it's very, yes, things are faster, things are happening, EVs are changing, and we're putting all sorts of interesting stuff in traffic lights. But road code is staying relatively static, whereas our industry is moving way, way, way too quickly, to be honest. So the education we gave users five years ago, yes, some of the fundamentals are still the same, but the targets have moved on considerably. You know, five, six, seven years ago, nobody was thinking that you could stand in the middle of your house and go, hey, Alexa, do X, Y, Z. Nowadays, I can stand outside your window and go, hey, Alexa, order a 50-gallon bottle of lube for this place. And, it, and four days later, you get a phone call from your significant other going, hey, do we need to have a talk about this? <laughs> you know, and it's, we don't, we can't do all of that. We, again, the technology people. The technology people ourselves need to look internally and go, how do we make our systems better and safer for the very people that are using them? It behooves us. It's our job. We're the ones that are meant to be protecting. So it's us to actually help people understand more effectively and maybe give them some basics, you know, exactly to the point. You know, I see it here. It's Rokos' guardrails. It is. There's some basic things. Like the director of the FBI isn't going to call you up and ask you to go buy gift cards. Just isn't going to happen. All I need you to do is think about that for a minute. I need you to think before you act, which is kind of road code. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, I actually had one of my employees, um, you know, before COVID, we travel all over and we do these cybersecurity events and this is my second company i've been doing this for about 25 years mm -hmm. and so this employee she's been with me through both companies i actually knew her from high school she should know better she got uh, and we give a lot of gift cards away you know as um just you know to our attendees 
and she got an email and it was like uh kim said to buy these these gift cards it was like a thousand dollars worth of them and i was like why would you do that you know so she spent her own money on it and i was like and and her husband is an engineer he know he you know she she just you know it looked like it came from me and she spent her money on it and that was just all do it we all, the perfect example. I mean, I, the rugrat is senior at school. If I got a message from the school, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're, we're not nice people. I mean, despite all of our appearances, I'm not nice. I will find the way to get to you. For me, you know, if I get a message from the school saying, your daughter's been hurt, here's the, you know, here's the, here's the report. It's a PDF. I'm going to click the bloody thing. Mm-hmm because you know it looks like it can now would i check it beforehand maybe maybe not we nobody's immune and I, again i think this is one of these fallacies in our industry is we all stand there like oh you know we've built you a nice wall you've got a perimeter and it's, it's again military tactics you can put all the walls and all the borders and all the shit that you want we built this really cool thing called the green zone and what did they do? They just lobbed shit over the top of it. Hey, didn't think about that. You know, and, and I think this is the, the, one of the biggest frustrations in the industry. Everybody keeps saying, well, we'll protect your perimeter or we'll keep you. No, you won't. Assume breach and then work from there. This is, uh, and we, again, we don't do that. Nobody sits there back to the assets. You've got a thousand assets where you can only find 900 or 95 of them. Well, where the hell are the rest? Uh, you know, we're not good at that assume breach and work from there. And again, as an industry, we, we keep wanting to tell people we can protect you. No, we can't. Shit's going to happen. End of discussion. If you plan for that worst case scenario and you run your tabletop exercises and you have an incident response plan, and again, like the military, you didn't just hand somebody a gun and go, well, off you go, little Johnny, go over the hill and good luck. Force me with you. What you did, you were like, hey, at first, I might give you cardboard blanks if you're lucky. In fact, I'm not even sure I trust you with a freaking paintball. I'll give you a wooden buck. If you don't hit yourself in the head with a stupid thing, I might give you a paintball. And so we did that. We did this crawl, walk, run, dry fire, live fire. And so by the time your ass is getting shot at in the middle of the hills in BFG nowhere or the sandbox, you don't stand up and run around like a headless chicken. You hunker down and you know, out of that infamous movie, well, that is the sound of the AK-47 being fired, sir. You know, you get to that mentality and you're like, all right, on with my job. Because it's that repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And it's the same thing with instant response. If you don't practice and you don't realize that shit's going to happen, you're going to stand up when you do get your ass shot and you're going to run around rather than going, fuck it, get the instant response plan. We know who it is. We know what we've got to do. We know the logs. We know the systems. Bang, off we go. Yeah. You know, we have, we do these bourbon CISO happy hours and they're sponsored, but they're really fun. I should, I'll, oh, hell yeah. I'll, I'll invite you on one. They're really fun. And it, it's really nice to see because it's a no sales things. It's just, yeah. you know, CISO sitting around drinking bourbon together and just kind of sharing, you know, what's going on. And I love some of the big enterprise companies, like some of the big banks, like Bank of America or some of the big hospitals, you know, they don't, they don't probably recognize cybersecurity month because they do practices for all employees like once a month and they give awards away and, you know, they do it. And they said the teams like the whole organization, those are some of their favorite days 
because they're just, again, when you say rinse and repeat, that is kind of their mentality with their yeah. organizations. Yeah, I think it's, it's you know, again, you, you have to assume something's going to happen. Um, I mean, and, and if, you, if you think that way and you plan that way and you act that way, when something happens, it's not a surprise. And it's the same thing with weaponry. You know, this is, you know, I, I, I'll, give, I'll give this country some credit for the fact there's more weapons running around than there are humans. And there is plenty of opportunity to learn and understand how to handle them effectively so that if you do have to pull a gun on somebody, it, it's not going to get used against you. You know, you can actually do something effective with the stupid thing. Um, and it's the same thing with security. You know, we, we hand these things out like candy. I mean, let's face it, these, these get handed out like candy. And yet these, I won't do, I won't do what I've done a few times. I actually just got, I have a weapon always close to hand and I normally hold up the weapon, a physical weapon, nice actually weapon. And I hold this up and I'm like, one of these is more dangerous than the other. And unfortunately this day and age is this bloody thing. I can reach around the planet and get to you. Whereas with the weapon, you know, I've only got an effective range of X. And so we don't think that way. You know, we, we haven't taken time to talk to the user base. And again, this is education. This has got nothing to do with technology. This is sitting down with your users and going, hey, Cybersecurity Awareness Month, who gives it down? It's March. Let's talk to you about your kids. Let's say, hey, you're going to give, you know, little Johnny or Jamie or Jack or Jill one of these things. Let's talk about where you should and shouldn't let them view things. We have the Innocent Lives Foundation for a bloody good reason. You know, Chris Hagnati and Rachel and a bunch of other amazing folks are fighting every single day to keep kids safe on these darn things. So why don't we do our part? Why don't we help out with a little bit of awareness training? Why don't we help the elderly, one of the, unfortunately, one of the biggest targets for fraud? Why don't we help a little bit of time saying, hey, I'm gonna teach you, do me a favor, take it back and teach your family. Simple stuff. And there's some good, you know, Scott Schober has a book on, you know, it's for yeah. senior citizens and he, he actually is going to, he, he works with us a lot. And I nice. actually gave that book to my parents, you know, and it's yeah. so one-on-one that they yeah. can understand it. So there are lots of books. We're coming close up on the hour and there's been tons of comments and we just don't have time to address all of them. Um, <laughs> I'm keeping an eye. I'm keeping an eye on them. Yeah. yeah it's a seeing several folks. So if there's it's, anything that you want to comment, if you've been keeping them. Um, I've been keeping the yeah, ads good. I think people are just joining in the conversation, which is freaking awesome. I love it. You know, it's again, to your point, I, I think, and again, maybe this is the other, the other, one of the other frustrations in our industry. Well, actually there's two. We all like our own fiefdoms, 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 I suppose. Um, and it's perfect example. Awareness training is probably one of the best examples for that one. So Scott's got his book. I did a bunch of work with uh, Gabrielle over at Wiser Training. Done some amazing shit ton of free training out there. But then you've got the no book. I mean, you've got so many other companies that are out there doing training. And again, you with the CEO hat on, you're going to sit there and go, how do I know which one's best? How do I know which one's effective? How do I know... There's no easy way to determine who's going to be a better fit and a more effective fit for my organization and to help me reduce risk. You keep telling me you're going to train my freaking people. You don't tell me why. You don't tell me it's to help business risk. It's to help you maybe be more productive. It's to help you understand supply chain. It's all of these things which help reduce the overall business risk. So, again, we're not good at translating geek equals business conversations. Um 
And then the other one, which is driving me nuts at the moment, is this fiefdom over uh, all of the um, all the the regulations, the regulatory crap that we have, everybody has to go through. It went from one tick in the box to ten ticks in the boxes to a hundred different boxes given out by ten different or twenty different companies now. So unfortunately, again, you're sitting there as the CEO, and you're like, hang on. More like, I've got credit card data, so I can do a PCI, I've got healthcare, so I can do this. I go, oh, we deal with the government. So now I've got, well, hang on, I have this, I have this, now I have CMMC. How's this? And so we haven't consolidated it and made it simple and effective. We just keep adding more and more freaking complexity to the problem. Well, um, Chris Roberts, who's the VCSO researcher, hacker, uh, devil's advocate, people can find you obviously on LinkedIn and they can find you on your, if you want to tell them again, because I don't want to. Oh, Hillbilly Hit Squad? Yeah. Hillbilly Hit Squad. Yeah. And and how did they, is that like a group that, like how did it? It's a website. So I'm, I'm part of the Tinkerers group as well. So there's a bunch of us that are part of like a Tinkerers group. Um, I'm hanging out with the flyover folks as well now. So there's a bunch of places. But, yeah, typically LinkedIn or Hillbilly Hit Squad is probably the easiest place to find me. Well, we appreciate you being on the show today. It went way too fast. We definitely will have to have you on again. It was great conversation. I didn't even get to hardly anything I wanted to talk to you about, but we had some really good conversations and can't wait to be back out in the real world and see people like yourself at these great Uh, events. So thanks for being here today, Chris. And all those people that we talked about, we talked about so many people, Ori Eisen, um, I'm going to go blank on, I've had so many guests. So for all the new listeners today, make sure you go to voice of America on the business network and you can check out and security for all and catch all of our past events. We look forward to seeing everyone next week. Everyone have a great weekend and stay safe and stay secure. And we'll see you next time. Don't miss the weekly FutureCon seamless podcast series focusing on the insights and thoughts of chief security officers and industry pioneers making a difference throughout the world. Kim Hakem, CEO of FutureCon Events, and Darren Anderson, CEO and co-founder Next Robotics, host Seamless Podcast, started by a team of entrepreneurs with experience in fields like smart cities, technology, cybersecurity. The result is a series of podcasts unlike anything you've ever heard anywhere. Listen where you get your podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. Are you a cybersecurity professional that needs to earn continuing educational hours? FutureCon Events brings high-level cybersecurity training discovering cutting-edge security approaches, managing risk in the ever-changing threat of the cybersecurity workforce. Cybersecurity is no longer just an IT problem. To learn more about attending a virtual event, go to futureconevents.com or email info at futureconevents.com or follow us on LinkedIn or Twitter at FutureConHQ. Thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events.